Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. How are you, Stacey? I'm doing better this week, John. I am back in North Carolina on Eastern Standard Time Zone, so doing very well. Uh, and how about you? Are you are you home this week? I am. I am at home. I'm actually getting ready to take a two week vacation, which um, it's been a very long time since I did that. And um, I think I think I may check into the radio show next week, but but that would be the extent of my. Um, work for the next couple of weeks. I think it's very well deserved after the big report that you just launched. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's been crazy for for the people. I can't imagine if you're listening to the show, you haven't heard about the report. But the report is getting a kind of an extraordinary reception because it simplifies the issues associated with um, the emerging predictive tools that people are calling AI. Um, in a way that makes it easy for practitioners or easier for practitioners mm-hmm. to make decisions and, and rationalizes the markets away. Uh, you can find out more about it at hrexaminer.com. Yeah, you're being very modest. It provides categories and starts to define an undefinable environment, which is part of what I think is when you start to do that, because I'll tell you what, when I first started studying talent management, it was before anybody had labeled it talent management. And the minute we started putting labels that people could wrap their heads around, because that's what practitioners need. They need buckets. I know we don't always like buckets, but they need buckets. They can start to actually make sense and evaluate what's what's of value and not value to them. And I think you've done this in the report. So kudos to you. You should definitely take a bow on this one. How do you take a bow on the radio? I don't know, but you can try. <laughs> here's here's a radio bow. Watch this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so you've been you've been a world traveler. You've been in Europe in the last week and, uh, and seen another side of the world. I uh, have been. I have been. So yeah. And apologies to those who might have missed the show last week because we didn't have one because I was running all over Amsterdam and logistically had messed up the time zones. But I was in Amsterdam uh, last week at the HR Tech World Conference. Which biggest news that came out of that? I mean, it was a great event. But the biggest news is that they are changing the entire brand of HR Tech World. So if you haven't heard that, you should be aware of it. They're calling it Unleash, and it is Unleash, not Unleashed. It's um, the conference concept, as I understand from Peter and Mark, is that they are now focusing on the entire sort of executive suite, and they're focused on unleashing the power of people. Um, So still very focused on HR technology as a part of that picture, but also expanding to the areas of sort of practices and processes and innovation and sort of forward-thinking investments in areas of finance and um, uh, communications that will have a big impact on unleashing people power within organizations. So it's it's going to be a big shift for that market um, and for that event. And they're going to do, I think the next big one, they'll do one in London in March, and then they are going to have one in the U.S. in the springtime. Um, so you'll see three events a year, it sounds like right now. That's, that's amazing. So, so do you think that's HR's job, unleashing stuff? Well, you know, and I think part this is part of why that um, um, conference group is expanding beyond HR executive leadership, right? So their focus now is going to be finance leadership, um, executives and CEOs, as well as HR, and they think all of them are important. And they think that you're going to see more business executives on the CEO and finance side that are going to be just as interested in what we traditionally call HR technology as the HR professionals. I, you know, my take on it is that um, – 
you know, HR's role is shifting from the administrative, which we've all been following for some time, to a more a bigger focus on how they increase the value of the employee effort in the organization, um, whether or not that's their primary role or that's the CEO's role and HR is supporting that, I think, you know, it depends on who you talk to. That's, I, I didn't get that at all out of the announcement. That's really interesting. So they're broadening their base. One of the things that, that, that I've noticed recently is that the AI problems that are peculiar to HR are really peculiar to HR. And so, so it's, it's interesting to see them broadening just as the, the, the focus you need to get the ethical issues right in the next wave of technology um, have to do with sort of the local context of those issues. Right. So there are different ethical issues in finance associated with predictive technology than there are in people related matters associated with predictive technology. Um, right. Right. And so, so, so it seems to me that that, 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 that the edge where the distinctions matter, blurring that, blurring that edge, um, makes some practical execution-oriented conversations harder to do. Possibly. You know, I, I might push back a little bit. I, I also think, though, and I think you mentioned this in your report, that what we've talked about on the radio show, which is that um, artificial intelligence, because it's going to sort of cross the lines, you know, the silos that we've created in um, HR and finance and marketing and communications, right, um, it's going to allow us more seamlessly because that's how we work. None of us actually work in those silos, right, except for the few people who are, you know, HR-focused, right? But the people who actually accomplish the work don't work in any of those silos. And they very rarely even work in their business unit silos if they're doing a, a really good innovative job, right? It's, it's sort of the cross-communication, the cross-organizational conversations that really make the biggest difference. Um, and I think the focus here is on the idea that if you can – sort of use the technology to sort of sort of wash away the the barriers and the lines, then you are going to unleash a much more powerful workforce. I know that's a little bit altruistic, but I do think that in some sense, I agree that the ethical challenges are very unique per area, but I think once we start sort of getting rid of some of the inefficiencies about sort of how we get work done, we're going to see a lot more uh, people sort of working across platforms, I guess is a good way to put it. I can't wait to watch this unfold. This is going to be really interesting because because it's been obvious for some time that HR um, is going to get closer to operations than it has been in the past. Yeah. Right? That the, the the compliance role has kept operations in HR at odds with each other for decades, and exactly. and data will will allow those two entities to start to be more collaborative. I hate to say that. Um, but, 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 you know, when I, took, when I took the class at MIT this summer about measuring social networks with sensors, there were no HR people in the room. They were all operations people who were interested in how do you optimize the organization based on measurement. Uh, yeah. And it's really kind of an HR function. It's a kind of a traditional HR function. 
so you can already see evidence of the of these silos transcending each other. Yeah. Now at this event, I mean, it, 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 this is you know much bigger than it was several years ago. So I think you know part of this expansion of the audiences is starting to already play out a little bit for them. They had about six thousand attendees. But what was interesting is that the big topics that you know you and I are talking about artificial intelligence was on the play. Everybody was talking about it. But so was the um, area around ethics and personal data sets. Right? GDPR for those who um, aren't following that in Europe was sort of the big big conversation. Will that um, European requirement around data privacy standards um, have an impact on the technology expectations and requirements inside companies. Um, and m- almost everybody to a T was saying, well, it depends on who's the first casualty, who, who gets the first 4% overall fine. I think it's 4%, I don't want to say revenue. I, I, I will be the wrong person to ask, but there's a, a fine on 4%. And they said turnover, and I think turnover is a specific finance term in the European um, market, that it was big enough that they felt that that would cause people to start actually following the guidelines for GDPR. That was a big conversation this this week, and we've just sort of heard this week about what's happening with the on the executive um, here in the states um, and the congressional sort of um, follow-ups with Facebook and Twitter on how much their sort of marketing has impacted possibly the U.S. elections. This idea of how much your personal data can be used to motivate, manipulate, tailor, however you want to call it right, messaging and information to you is is a big conversation around the globe right now. So that was probably the biggest conversation I heard coming out of the HR Tech Europe event. Wow, wow. And so so we'll need to get smarter about GDPR very quickly Um, uh, because I believe the sense that I'm giving that if you are an American company of any significance, then it actually affects you because you have European markets. Yep. Yeah, and you have employees there or you have vendors. Any any data you're capturing, whether that's employees or internally and externally, could be impacted by this European um, people. So, yeah, it's going to be huge. Um, we should also note that also that came out of HR Tech World this um, was that China Gorman was named the managing director for the U.S. Uh, market for the Unleash Group. Those of uh, who know China Gorman, who's uh, used to be CEO of Sherm and runs a Tuesday blog that I think is absolutely fabulous on data um, that she puts forth. Um, so that was kind of an exciting announcement that came out of it. Also, Adam Miller won HR Tech World's Unleash 2017 award, which was sort of fun to watch, um, having followed Cornerstone on Demand's uh, progress over the last 15 years. Um, so Adam Miller, who's their CEO, won a sort of their, his investment in the HR tech world at Impact Award. Um, and those were sort of the big announcements that came out of that event. But it was really, really interesting to see sort of the excitement in Europe. Our data this year showed that Europe's on a much faster or, or much more um, uh, much um, higher percentage of organizations now are planning to transform their HR tech environments in Europe than even in the United States at this point, because the United States has gone through much of their transformation. So that was sort of exciting to see, too. That's interesting. So say a little bit more about, so you're saying there's more momentum in the European market, I think, is what you just said. Yeah, yeah. And just because they're starting from a lower base, right? I think they have been hesitant to really sort of go through some of the HR tech transformations, partially because they have a lot more 
uh, workforces that are dispersed across regions and countries, so making big transitions are, are a bit more difficult if they're a, a, a global organization. Um, our data is generally for the larger global European or, uh, organizations versus the smaller SMBs. We're, we're aware of that. But in that market, we definitely saw that about 33% of them are planning on replacing their core HRMS. That's about 15 20% higher than what we saw in the U.S. data set. Um, and uh, they're also we're seeing that um, about they're about twenty to thirty percent less happy, if you want to use the word term happy, but less satisfied is probably a better way to put it with their overall HR technology environment compared to the North America market, which I thought was pretty telling. They they have not found their happy place with HR technology yet, as we saw North America has. That's really interesting. So, so is it that the technology is older and they're catching up? I mean, that's that's how we would have told the story five years ago. Or is there something else going on? I think it's twofold, and, and I think it's easy to say yes, they're a little bit behind. But I don't think that's it completely, because even <clears throat> when they have transitioned to the cloud, and you know, their cloud user experience scores and their cloud satisfaction scores are still overall lower than what you see in North America. So I think two things that happen. I think one is that much of the technology that has been developed over the last several years is very tailored towards the North America market and a North America approach to talent management as well. Um, uh, And I think also uh, what we're seeing is that in the European market, they have to deal with um, differences in payroll and languages and regional requirements that are m- much more sort of sophisticated. And they have a much more sophisticated approach to employee development and training and talent management as well. So all of those things just, I think, hadn't been developed as effectively in much of the cloud-based HR technology. So I think it's both of those pictures. My sense is that they're starting to get the attention that they deserve because the U.S. market is now a replacement market at this point as much as possible versus a greenfield market. Um, and so we're seeing more investment. Almost every one of the vendors I talked to was very, very focused on telling me whether they were U.S.-based or European-based about how much they were tailoring what they were doing now towards the European market. That's 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 extraordinary. That's extraordinary. So so one could be forgiven for interpreting what you said as the centers of innovation are going to shift to Europe. Yeah. Yeah, could be for a while. That's interesting. That's that that that's a big discovery from a little trip to Amsterdam. <laughs> well, and, and our data set from from the Sears Cedar annual report, but um, but it was definitely oh, preemptive oh, by the conversation. Yeah, you know that that big big annual report we do. <laughs> yeah, that that thing. Yeah. I don't. I don't imagine there's anybody who's listening to this who hasn't downloaded a copy of that. But uh, you ought to go to the CRC site. Stay up to date. Yeah. Now there's another event coming up called the Recruiting Trends and Talent Tech next month. That's sort of the. Is that the biggest recruiting event that goes on in the market, John? That's November 20th and 30th in Palm Beach County, or is that just sort of we're aware of it because it's, it's sort of being led by some of the, the largest names. I think you're speaking at it, right? Elaine Orler uh, is, I think, co-chairing it. I, I am speaking there. It is brought to you by the people who do uh, HR Tech United States, LRP okay. publications. Um, is it the largest? Recruiting is really interesting. Almost all of the conferences are kind of little. 
even though it's the biggest and most volatile of the um, silos in HR, it's where all the money goes. Yeah. Um, um, the the conferences themselves are not six thousand people, um, um, and I think I think that's because recruiting is it, it appears to be one thing, but it's very regional and very industry specific um, activity, and the things that you can generalize about have to do with the very specific case of bulk hiring. So you have to, when you can generalize about recruiting, you have to be talking about a place where you're hiring people to fill the same job over and over yeah. and over again. Big job, yeah. Um, and so, 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 so I don't know, but it's, it's, it's exciting that the, the LRP conference in Palm Beach is a blend of two older conferences, the Recruiting Trends Conference and the Talent Technology Conference. They merged the two things into a single entity, and they're now um, uh, doing a lot of work trying to grow it because the importance of recruiting has done nothing but grow recently. Yeah, yeah I mean, we've seen some some investments this, this last couple of weeks in the HR uh, recruiting space. Uh, Jazz HR um, um, acquired $6.6 million. Uh, they're a, an SMB um, talent acquisition provider. Um, and I thought this was sort of interesting that um, their focus is that they're going to invest this money um, um, in sort of more um, – it was an interesting um, value for their 3,000 customers. Thought, well, 3,000 customers is a lot for a recruiting organization, but they've acquired 25 million since its inception in 2009, and I haven't heard of them before. Have you heard of them before, John? I've heard of them, but not enough to stick. Yeah. yeah. Not enough to stick. Um, and so, so the small to medium-sized business market, it's a really, you know, that's, it's a really interesting theory that what the small to medium business needs is a more focused version of what you get in an enterprise. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, I haven't seen a single product focused on the, the small to medium market that's other than trying to deliver all of enterprise functionality at a lower price point. Yeah. Well. Uh, and and so the idea that HR is one thing that that regardless of scale is behind most um, SMB initiatives. Well, people are investing in it still. Um, now, sort of back to what you were talking about with the fact that recruiting is only sort of valuable in a general sense for those positions that are sort of the most abundant and repeatable, right? Shaker also, um, for those who know the uh, recruiting space, um, Shaker is a um, assessment company, a pre-employment testing company is a better way of putting it, um, out of the Cleveland, Ohio area, which is where I'm from. Um, so I've briefed them probably for almost 10 years, and they're getting an infusion of investment from a uh, the Riverside Company, which is a capital uh, investment organization. And I thought it was interesting to see that they're starting to get some infusion. They've been one of the sort of standout companies. They win a lot of awards small but sort of focused always on sort of the the on the job simulation based training 
um, that goes along with pre-employment testing. So they would develop very, very detailed simulations about how work is done um, in an organization to sort of test out your sort of readiness or capabilities within that environment. And they're getting an infusion, but their type of assessments, and they're very open about this, is only valuable to those organizations that have lots of the same positions, right? Yeah, you know, you know, you know, it's funniest thing. I never thought of Shaker as an assessment company until you just said so. I always thought of it as an advertising company. Huh. Okay. And, 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 and what I mean is, is that you know, the, you think about the positioning. They call it virtual job tryout. Yep. So that looks like employment branding to me. Oh, right. Okay. And 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 um. Everything that I've ever seen them do has this edge of persuasion embedded in its in its um, underlying science to test. Uh, and so, so uh, I now have to go back and rethink everything I thought about Shaker because I've, I've known these guys a long time, and they're they're really smart and they're really focused, and they bring a a common sense. Um, Approach to the science, uh, but 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 I, I really did assume that it was an advertising agency. Yeah, see, I've always and and I came to them when I was first doing um, research on engagement uh, assessments, right? Um, and when I started talking to them, I realized they weren't doing engagement assessments; they were doing pre-employment assessments. But I was intrigued by by the amount of science and I would say uh, rigor they put into validating these very very detailed simulations. So they're one to keep watching. But you know, the the fact that they're getting investment, I think, is the bigger conversation right now because it's like I said, they've been an organization that's been sort of building slowly. Um, almost bootstrapping, I would say. I don't know enough about their background to know if they've got other investments, but to me it felt very bootstrapped, right, Um, to get a a $6 billion or to get a a $6 billion company to make an investment in them. We don't know how much. Um, It's it's pretty significant for them. I I, I think that is significant. But, you know, there's a ton of money um, going into – um, figuring out whether or not people are going to be a good fit at the job, um, and 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 it seems to me that that is a it's a limited it's a limited problem. It's an interesting problem, but it's a limited problem, and and the investment is going there partly because people haven't figured out um, actual interesting new problems to solve. Yeah. <laughs> right, because this is this is this is exactly an assessment company getting funding, and and people have been trying to generalize assessment with digital methods for twenty years now, and yeah. and there's not I can't think of a single example of it being a success. It's a tough space to be because because as soon as you get it right, it changes, right? That's part of the challenge is that, you know, as you're sort of building out the idea of what the sort of perfect employee is, then the market changes and things shift. And you have to have a, a, a technology. And I, and I think Shaker's done a pretty good job of this by creating some very editable um, characteristics in their assessments. But you have to be able to go in and change and alter those dynamics pretty quickly. So I think it's been a part of the problem with the market, right? Yeah, you know, one of the things that one of the things that 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 
we realize in the development of the report is that sticking to an old job description is part of the reason that companies get disrupted. Yeah. Right. If you if you continue to hire people who would have been great in the job five years ago um, into the company because you've got a polished routine high volume process, you are embedding your own failure in your organization, and that's a um, a, a very a challenging thing to sort out because what you probably need to do is hire people to a new job spec every time you make a hiring decision. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a challenge for I think any organization trying to figure out how do I stay relevant in this market, right? Um, speaking of disruptors, um, so it depends on how you look and who at who they're disrupting. ServiceNow was in the news this week for acquiring. Um, a mobile platform technology um, company called SkyGiraffe. Um, and for those of you who may not know ServiceNow, we've talked about them a couple of times on this show. But originally, and for the most part, they're an IT help desk um, management platform. Um, they have been making headroads in the sort of HR space, um, uh, launching last year an onboarding application as well as an HR help desk application. Um, and they've been watched very carefully from a from a finance analyst perspective. I know they're one of the, the names that often gets touted as sort of the fast-growing organizations. Um, they're seen as sort of a, an innovator and a, um, a new entry from a, a help desk workflow information technology management perspective, right? They've, they've done a lot of disruption in the market. But now they're starting to make disruption in the HR space um, because they're starting to basically make the case that they could be the um, the the system of record um, because now all your IT systems are in one environment. Now we also could have all of the HR um, information kept in that same environment with employees. Um, and they've just recently purchased this new mobile enterprise cloud platform. Um, have you heard much about the ServiceNow, uh, you know, talk in in any kind of the recruiting areas or or the AI area at all, John? Or is this is this more just of a core HRMS sort of help desk conversation? Do you think? Um, so so I haven't heard it stretch out, but I'm I'm really just getting to know ServiceNow, and so so I spent several hours with them, and and it seemed to me. And, and correctly, if I want, it seemed to me that what ServiceNow is is kind of a um, uh, case management system that can behave like a system of record, right? And so, and so the, the fundamental organizing principle is the employee record, uh, and they've got a much larger capacity in that place because it's case management and its orientation. So you can you can hang all sorts of documents in the same place. And they're they're using that sort of multi-dimensional answer to an HRIS as a foundation for doing other things. Uh, and they they have <laughs> uh, some um, and I'm not exactly sure how to think about this, but they have some implementation work as well, because this is not a small company that we're talking about. No, huge, yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I do have, they do have implemented partners. Actually, um, I think Mercer just recently became a partner uh, implementation along with their workday practice. Um, so yeah, we know that they're, they're definitely acquiring more partners in that larger scale space as we see in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting world we're living in. It's changing fast and we have come to the end of the road. Yeah. Um, lots of, of new updated information. Um, so next week you said you're still going to be able to join us, even though you're going to be lounging someplace, hopefully in, in nice weather, wherever you'll be at next week. Right, John? Well, I don't, I don't know if it'll be lounging. I think we're going to be in, in the way in the rural parts of the desert of New Mexico. So, so once the plans are a little bit more in place, I'll know about whether I'm here and we'll figure out how to get this done if I'm not. Sounds like a plan. Um, and uh, we'll obviously, lots of news coming up as we're wrapping up the year. Um, we didn't mention, but there is a lot of news conversations going on about what's happening with um, ADP and uh, and their sort of um, activist investor. Um, so a lot of conversation there, but I think next week we'll have more updated information on that um, as they get to their November 7th vote date. Um, and lots of... Um, Organizations have met their uh, and even beat their revenue expectations, Paycom, Ultimate, as well as AADP this year, so uh, this quarter. So we have lots of new updates probably next uh, week as well on where this market's heading. Fantastic. What a great radio show. And welcome back to the United States. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, and hopefully next week you will be drinking cocktails somewhere, John. So <laughs> see you then. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks, everybody, and thanks for doing this, Stacey. It's always a blast. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. It's been great to have you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bye-bye. everyone. Bye.